I want to start today out with a little bit of a poll. This is way more fun if everybody participates, okay? So I'd love some crowd participation, all right? Even some people in the chat would love to get some chat going on here. I want to know, let's be very honest, who in here truly, you're just one of those personalities, you love change. Like variety is the spice of life. Like you love to mix things up. You're totally okay with chaos. You know, you need some new freshness. You actually change your chair in this room every week because you like to move around a little bit. Okay, now... Honest moment, there's no better or worse. Who in here hates change? Like, like, absolutely drives you nuts. All right, change is another word for anxiety right now. You're nervous that I'm even talking about it in this moment. Like, you don't like surprises. You like things a certain way. You know, it's funny because I like to think of myself as somebody who kind of likes change, isn't open to new things. But when I actually think about my life through all the different transitions and changes I've been through, I'm like, you know what? They actually created a lot of anxiety, fear, and stress in my life. And here's what's kind of interesting. Researchers have actually coined a term called the status quo bias. And what they have found is that most people have a disproportionate preference for maintaining the status quo in their lives. So as much as even some of us might say we like change, and I'm sure some of us do, generally speaking, most people don't like change at all. Like, like it just creates a lot of stress. And I'm willing to bet, especially if your life is going okay right now, it's just working, why change a good thing? You know, like, why mess with it? So sometimes it's okay to have a little bit of order and structure and consistency in life. I think that's a perfectly okay thing. But here is the risk. Can our preferences for what is known and comfortable in our lives become a lid? Now, if you were just joining us today, we started out a series that we are calling Take the Lid Off. And we are talking about the fact that we often put lids on God in our own lives, that we will actually even unknowingly limit his own power, his own presence, and even the purposes he wants to work out in our lives. And many times this is even unknowing. So I want to talk today about change. I want to talk about the transition in our lives. And I want to talk about specifically, what do you do when it's God bringing about change in your life? And how can we make sure we take any spiritual barriers off of what God may want to do in our own lives so we don't limit everything that can happen in and through us? So I want to dig into a passage today that speaks right to this. We're going to kind of set the stage. We're rewinding the tape, everybody, all the way to 2000 B.C. All right, this is ancient Mesopotamia. This is where some of the first major world empires started to form. This is where some of the first major urban centers started to get recorded. And we get introduced to some people that we most likely would have never heard about if they weren't recorded right here in the Bible. So we're in Genesis 11, and we're going to pick up this story right here at this moment in history, and it says this in verse 31. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Now, doesn't this sound exactly like one of those verses you just skip over in the Bible? Like, that's a total sleeper right there. All right, some of you guys are already taking a nap after I read that verse. You're like, what, what is there possibly to talk about in a verse like this? Now, let's, let's see where we can go with this, though. We get introduced to this guy named Terah. Now, he is the father of Abram. Now, this Abram is actually Abraham, and that's how I'll refer to him in the rest of the sermon, who ends up becoming a pretty well-known character in the Bible. But he's leaving this city, Ur. Now, just so you guys know, at this point in time, this is right around southern Iraq. This is an important city in ancient Mesopotamia. And now he is trying to get to Canaan. Canaan is modern-day Israel. 
All right, this is the promised land, as we call it, and this is a 1,000-mile journey. All right, you can't exactly take a nonstop flight at this time of day. So this is a massive undertaking for this family. But look at what it says right on this next line. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now, interesting. Didn't, didn't make it to Canaan at this point. Now, I want you guys just to go to quick visual. So you know we're talking about some real places at a point in time. Just a quick visual image. This is what we're talking about with the trip they actually took. So they started in the bottom right at Ur. They made it up to the top to Haran. They're trying to get to Canaan. All right? So they have made it four, 600 miles already. 400 to go. But did you see what it said? They settled. Now, we don't get any other context outside of that. We don't know what might have been the reason. Maybe there were good neighborhoods in Haran. Maybe the schools were pretty decent. Maybe, maybe Tara got a job opportunity. Maybe they just got tired. They're like, 400, 600 miles is far enough. Like, like, we're good. We don't get any other context. But next verse is meant to be very ominous. Tara lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Now, quick little side note, this is not the point I'm trying to drive at, but I know for some of us who may be new to the Bible, the thing you're caught up on right now is you're like, 205 years? What kind of keto diet was this guy on? Like, this is a next-level guy right here. He's doing triathlons or something. Let me add just a quick side note. Um, there are a lot of reasons scholars and historians give for some of the longer lifespans you see in the Old Testament in particular. Sometimes they give very non-spiritual reasons. They, they say, like, there very well may have been much better diets, less diseases, less pollution, less genetic defects and bloodlines, all that kind of stuff. There's even theological arguments given sometimes around why God would have different reasons for different lifespans at different seasons in time. There is so much scholarship around this. You can read it on your own, but I just want to at least acknowledge that. You know, I'm not just passing over it. But what I really want to focus on here is this. Tara died in Haran. He settled. He stopped. He did not pass go. He did not collect $200. This guy did not make it to where he was supposed to go. This is supposed to be an ominous line. Because you should be reading this thinking, well, what happened? Why didn't this guy make it to Canaan? And again, we don't get all the reasons, but somewhere, Tara hit a lid. Somewhere, he started to limit the places he was supposed to end up at. And he settled, and he dies. Now, here's what's so interesting about this. For many of us here, and even you guys online, even if you have no church background and you've never read the Bible before, I'm willing to bet that you've probably heard of Abraham on some level, maybe, in some way. But what I'm also willing to bet is if I were to have quizzed everybody coming in today and said, have you ever heard of this guy named Tara before? I'm willing to bet even if you've been in church most of your life, you'd be like, I've never even heard of this dude before. Like, that's a totally random name. And here's why this is so ominous. It's very likely... The story of Abraham was supposed to be the story of Terah. It very much looks like, like Terah was the guy who was supposed to get his family to the promised land. That's what he set out for. And somewhere along the line, he put a lid on the purpose for his life, and he completely missed it. We talk about this man, Abraham, the great man of faith, and we'll hear about some details of his life. And yet, most of us have no idea who Terah is. And actually, we don't get a lot of context, but we get some hints about maybe what went down in Tara's life and maybe the reason why he only made it about half the journey. Many, many years after Tara lived, there's another writer in the Bible, Joshua, and this is what he says in Joshua 24. 
long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. All right, so we got some context here. We get some hints as to maybe what was going on. Terah never fully stepped into God's purposes for his life. He never fully committed himself to what God wanted for him. And he settled in and he gave his life to some other things. And for him, it says he was worshiping some other gods. How often do we settle into a spot? How often do we actually settle in beyond where God actually wants us and we even start living for some other things? You know, we probably wouldn't even use language like this, but sometimes if we really dug down the layers, for some of us, it's like, what I'm really living for is actually the career. You know, this is where the opportunities are. I'm going to settle in here. This is where my trajectory is. This is where my life is going to work out. We live beyond what God actually wants for us. Some of us, it's a relationship. It's like, you know, this person works. I'm going to settle in here. <laughs> this is good enough. They kind of scratch the itch, but I'm beyond what God really wants for me. Some people, they shape their entire life around their hobbies and their lifestyle. For some people, it's their kids. You believe in God, you know him, but truly the whole focus of your life is what do I do for these children? It is so easy to settle in and actually miss everything that God wants for you. And this is what Tara's life reveals, everybody. This is kind of the warning for all of us. Settling is spiritual self-sabotage. You are spiritually shooting yourself in the foot when you lean into this settling thing. And one of the most dangerous places you can stop in life is between where God called you from and where he's calling you to. You guys know there's some, time, there's some places in your life that you're not supposed to settle in. Actually, God just wants you to pass through. He's not calling you to stop there. And sometimes we stop, we have all this passion and energy when we start following God, but then we find a really good place to settle in. And we get kind of cozy at a certain place in life. And God's like, no, I actually have a great plan. I'm trying to take you somewhere. He's like, no, God, I kind of like a lid right here. This is comfortable. This is cozy. This is kind of what I like. There's this quote that uh, I came across once. I don't even know who said it. I've just had it, so I couldn't find the original author. But it says this. Sometimes the miserable life you know is better than the unknown life you fear. That's an interesting line to me. Now, maybe miserable is a little bit too heavy. You're like, okay, Brian, that's a little heavy. I don't know if my life's like miserable. Well, just replace the word. Sometimes the comfortable life you know is better than the unknown life you fear. The structured life, the life you feel like you can control, the life you just feel like you know and you can understand. And sometimes we'll even prefer that over something that might be better, but because it's unknown, I'm not sure we want to step into it. And this is the challenge for so many people that we face many times we would rather let life happen to us instead of let God happen to our lives. We'd rather just go through the motions and kind of follow the script than step into possibly what God may be calling us into because it's easier. It feels safer. Again, it can even be more comfortable and satisfying because who knows what God might call you into. He might mess everything up, right? He's going to just screw everything up. Tara misses it. Tara settles. He stops, and he misses God's purpose for his life. He puts a lid, and he dies. And that's all we know of Terah. Now, at this moment, there's a massive transition. God's, God's like, all right, 
I'm going to find somebody who's maybe willing to take the lid off their life. I'm going to find somebody who's maybe willing to trust me and take a step out into the purposes I have for him. And so now we're jumping into chapter 12, right after Terah's life. Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, again, this is Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. So hold up, stop here. God's like, I want you to leave everything. Your country, your people, your own household, and your family. Now, here's the hard thing for us to understand this in our modern world. We read this, especially the millennial Gen Z types. We read this and we go, yeah, leave my family, check. Um, go to another country and culture. Oh, man, the cuisine and the food I'm going to be able to taste. I mean, van life. Let's go. Like, this is what I'm all about. You got to get some context here, though. You don't do this in the ancient world. Like, this is insanity to leave this. Your land, your people, your family, your entire identity was wrapped up in this. This was all of your livelihood. This was your security. This was all of your inheritance. Like, to leave all of these things would be to make yourself dead to your family and your people and your culture. I mean, this was scandalous to do something like this. Unless it's God. Now, I remember the season of life when I really started to settle in. In many ways, I feel like in the best sort of way was, was my college years. And maybe for some of you guys, that was the season for me where I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get an idea of my career. I had an idea of exactly where I wanted to live. Like, things were starting to fall into place. But then I started feeling God telling me to go. And for me, it was a career shift. It's not always a physical relocation. And I felt God saying, you know, Brian, I really want you in vocational ministry. That's what I really want you to do. That's what I'm calling you into. This is this crazy process of going through that whole journey. But I remember after making the decision and talking to my roommate about it. And I need some context about my roommate. This guy's not a Christian dude. He was highly intelligent and still is got a full ride to Oxford, PhD, from Oxford University. This is a sharp dude. He's been part of world-changing research. And I remember telling him that I was starting to change my major and how I was thinking about being a pastor. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to go into ministry. And he's like, huh, interesting. And there wasn't exactly a lot of excitement about this. And interestingly, I actually didn't get a lot of pats on the back because I would tell people about this shift in my life. And a lot of the response was like, well, Brian, you're about to waste your college education. You're about to kill your earning potential. And this isn't exactly the time to start having a midlife crisis, Brian, okay? How about you just keep checking the boxes. You're settled in. You're on a good trajectory. And here's the hard thing. I wasn't getting a lot of encouragement, even though I felt God telling me to go. Abraham's life was set. He was good. He was settled in. He had a good place. He had a people. Things were working for him. And then God said, go. And this is what we find about God when he works in our own lives. God will often call you out of your own preferences for his purposes in your life. He's going to call you out of all the things you think you want for your life to call you into what he really wants for you. And this is the challenge God has for you. Do not let even the most important things in your life become a lid. God was saying, Abraham, don't even let your family get in the way of following my purposes. Don't even let everything you have built up here become a lid. Do not let it become a limitation because what I have for you is so much better. I'm telling you, everybody, God sometimes says go. 
He just says go. And here's the other thing, though. God isn't exactly detail-oriented sometimes, okay? The type A people in the room, you're about to be real frustrated, okay? Because did you catch that? God said, hey, I want you to go to this land. I will show you. Oh, well, thanks, God. That's, that, that's super helpful. You're going to show me? Um, do I get a map or something? You're going to let me know what's going to happen here? And God's like, no, why, why don't you just hop in? We're going for a little road trip. And you're like, well, where are we going? He's like, don't worry about it. You'll find out. Well, how long is it going to take? Oh, don't worry about it. Let's just go for a ride. It's going to be a good time. Like, does anybody else get like sweaty hands just even thinking about this kind of stuff? I'm going to show you. Not super helpful, God. And he doesn't even tell Abraham that this land is even good or better. Like he could have at least tried to sell this to Abraham. I'm like, don't worry, man. I'm going to hook you up. This is going to be so much better. I'm telling you, the food's better. The people are better. But no, it's none of that. He's like, don't worry, you'll see. Like I got no details. You just got to trust the process. And for some reason... This is just how God likes to work so often in our lives. God says go before he shows, everybody. It's just how he likes to work. He's going to tell you to start moving before he gives you all of the knowledge of how it's going to work, where it's going to go, and what it's going to look like. You don't get the full syllabus. The instructions are not included, everybody. God just says go. And here's the deal too. Why would God do this? Like, wouldn't this just be so much easier if God was like, here's the thing. This is what I'm going to do. Here's what's going to happen the next five years. Here's the plan for this next season of your life. Like, I would really appreciate that. I think it would make things a lot easier. Like, God, let's just expedite this process and not stress me out. Now, think about this, though. Why doesn't God reveal all the details of his plans in our lives? Well, on one level, if you really think about it, for many of us, if God really showed you everything he wanted to do in your life, you'd freak out. You'd have a complete panic attack. Like, you could not handle it. <laughs> like, it's too much to take at one time. And God understands, sometimes I got to let this out in little pieces. But actually, what I really think the main driving point is here, and you have to understand this, truly, why God usually says go before he shows is because if he were to show you how everything was going to work out, you would put your faith in the destination instead of him. Every single one of us, this is the temptation, right? We do this all the time. Once I get married, then I'm good. I'm going to arrive. Once I find that person, I'm going to be all set. To which all the married people said, nope, actually doesn't work out that way. But then you're like, well, hold on. Once, once my career gets going, I'm making this amount of money, I'm going to be set. Like, I'm good. I am going to arrive. And it doesn't seem to work out that way. Well, once we buy the house, we're not going to be paying rent anymore. We're going to finally land. We're going to be established, get a neighborhood and all the schools. And that doesn't seem to work either. We are obsessed with destinations in our lives. We are always trying to arrive. We're trying to put all of our faith in where we are going. But here's the thing. God doesn't want you to put your faith in where you're going. He wants you to put your faith in him. That's what he's trying to do in your life. And that's not going to happen if you are always looking exactly to where you're trying to be. There's a pastor in New York City named uh, Tim Keller. And he has... A great line, I just, just, this is gold. He says, you're not a Christian until you've taken your hands off your life. In other words, as long as you cling to life you want to live, you'll never live the life God wants you to live. You'll never follow the God who calls if you don't let go of the life you want. Abraham had a life, everybody. 
He was set. He was settled in. He had a people. He had a place. He had it all. But this is where Abraham was different from his dad. Terah said, I'm going to stay here. But when God said go, Abraham listened. He wanted what God had for him more than what he wanted for himself. I want to take some weight off of some of us today. Can we just have an honest moment? Life gets hard sometimes. I'm not trying to grab. Can we just be real? Like sometimes life is just like, man, does it have to be this complicated? Like it's just hard. It's hard to figure so many things out. It's like, what should I do in this situation? How should I handle that person? Should I make this move? Should I take this job? Like, how do we figure out our financial situation? Like, there's just a million things to always figure out. And I just want to put some people's minds at ease right now. Because I think we sometimes carry this internal guilt. But let, me, let me let you off the hook. You don't always need to know. You don't need to know. You don't always need to know how it's going to work out. You don't always need to know how it's going to impact your entire financial picture. You don't need to know how it's going to fully impact the kids. You don't need to know how it's going to work out in five years. You don't need to know how every single thing is going to fall into place. You don't need every answer. That is not something God is asking of you. And it's not something you should even put on yourself. You don't need to know. And sometimes not knowing might be the very confirmation that God is working in your life. Some of you who maybe have been around for a year plus, you remember about a year ago this time we were in search for a new worship pastor. You guys remember we had this revolving door of all these new faces kind of coming on stage, trying different people out. And we got to a point in the process where we were about to kind of land the plane with a couple different candidates we were looking at. And we get a call at the church. There's this random guy who's like, hey, I heard you guys might be looking. I'm not sure where you're at in the process, but I was just, just wondering what's going on. And I was like, well, I guess I'll jump on the phone with this guy. But I mean, I, I told him, I'm like, dude, we're kind of at the end of the process. We got some names in mind. Like, I, I don't know, it might be too late. But I told him, I said, well, here's the thing, dude. I'll let you cover a Sunday because we're still looking for coverage right now. So how about you just come in? You can lead a Sunday for us. So this guy comes in and we have these Thursday night rehearsals. And at this rehearsal, we do a huddle with the team. And he's like, hey, just so you guys know, um, I actually resigned my job already at my last church. And today was my last day at my job. And actually, my wife and I already bought a house right in this area, even though we're from the whole other side of Denver. Don't even really know why we did that for certain. Oh, and I'm kind of newly married. I've only been married for like six months. And my wife is still in grad school, so we don't even have other sources of income right now. And you know what I'm thinking in this moment? What kind of crazy, irresponsible Gen Z kid is this who's about to lead worship at a church? Can't have this guy up front leading worship. He doesn't know what he's doing with his own life. This is crazy. Totally irresponsible. I mean, just, what is this guy telling his wife? Hey, honey, I got a great idea. Here's how we're going to start our marriage. I'm going to quit my job. We're going to buy a house in an area where there's nothing happening. And it's going to be great. We'll be homeless together. It's going to be a wonderful time. Like, I'm like, how, how do you even pitch that to your wife? This dude's crazy. And what often looks crazy to us is the call of God on somebody's life. This guy led rehearsal that night. And I kid you not, we had never even seen anybody come close to that level of leadership, that level of just awareness about just presence, all these different, like, it, it blew our minds after the rehearsal. The team were just like, wow, that was different. This guy comes on Sunday, and there was a response from the church that was a whole nother level that we had not seen from any other candidate up to that time. And I remember on one Sunday, I came home to, to Nicole after all the church stuff, I said, babe, I'm using these words very carefully, 
I don't feel like this guy is just some candidate for a church. It feels like God might be calling him here. And that God has even maybe been putting some of the places, pieces of his life together to bring him to our church. And then I remember Nicole and I having him and his wife over to our house. And I told them, I said, guys, I'm being very careful with my words because I don't want to impose anything on you. But I sense that there is actually a call on your life to be a part of this church and, and lead in the, in the worship area. And funny enough, this person we had been talking to, this guy who did this crazy move and just buys a house in the middle of nowhere, just led us in worship this morning. It's Pastor Solon Miller, our worship pastor of this church, and his wife, Marissa. It's just funny. I'm telling you guys, the call of God does not make sense. Sometimes God just says go. And he says, you need to trust me. I will show you. There's a land, I promise. I'm taking you somewhere, but you just need to go. And here's what's so important about this. If you are really going to remove the lid from your life, if you are really going to step into everything God wants for your life, it is not enough to believe in God. You have to believe God. Hear me on that. It's not enough to say, oh, I believe in God. I think there's some good spiritual karma out there. God's going to work all things out for good. No. Do you actually believe God? Do you believe he actually has a specific purpose for your life? Do you believe that he actually knows where he's taking you? Do you trust him enough to start walking and trust him enough to believe that he's actually going to show you as you go on this crazy journey of faith? I'm wondering, have you really taken the lid off your life? Are you really willing to take the step even when you have no idea how it's even going to work out? This is just how God works sometimes. Do you want the life God has for you more than the life you want for yourself? Do you? Because sometimes God says go. And it is scary, everybody. Anyone who's taken the journey of faith here, it is a terrifying moment to take some of those initial steps into what you feel like God might be calling you to. But here's why you should have confidence when you do it. This is why you should have absolute confidence in God. Look what God says in verse 2. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God makes a guarantee about his call. He says, I will bless you. You must understand this. The call of God always comes with the blessing of God. God will always bless what he has called. God will never call you out of something unless he is truly calling you to something better. Now, do not mishear me. I'm not giving some sort of prosperity gospel here right now where I'm saying all you need to do is obey and you are getting health and wealth and everything on your wish list. <laughs> That's actually not what I'm saying at all. God's blessing does not guarantee more money, more square footage, the promotion, everything you want for your life. It doesn't promise that people are going to like you more or anything's going to work out in the way you're hoping it's going to work out. I actually, uh, I started like this one-year Bible reading plan this last year, at the beginning of the year. And this week, I thought it was just a funny moment because it fit in this message. There's a guy named Paul in the New Testament. This is a big pillar of the faith. 
And this is Paul's call on his life, all right? Acts 9, 15, God says this, this man is my chosen instrument. I've got a plan for him to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. This is quite a call, everybody. Paul gets a call from God to bring the truth of Jesus to the known Mediterranean world at the time. He's going to bring it to kings and all different people groups. This is an amazing opportunity. This guy's going to write Bible. I mean, that's a next level call right there. You call that blessed, right? Well, look at the next line from God. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Oh, thanks, God. Can we go back to the, uh, the part where I like, get to spread your word to all those awesome people and everything? God's like, well, here's the problem. My blessings sometimes will come with burdens. This ain't a perfect thing that you get. And actually, if you follow the rest of Abraham's life from this moment, he encounters famine. He has to fight battles. He has a whole family implosion happen that he has to navigate. He has to bury his own wife. And many of the blessings that God even promised to Abraham came after his own life. That was the reality of God's blessing in his life. But hear me today. If you really step into the call of God on your life, he will bless it. And the blessing of God is better than anything else you could ever imagine. When you have the blessing of God on your life, there is a spiritual wind at your back that you can't get any other way. There is a favor moving on your behalf. There's a strength and a power and a confidence that truly you can't access any other way. God's blessing allows you to tap into the resources of heaven itself. You have God working on your behalf. There is nothing like God's blessing. And when God calls, he absolutely will bless. It's a guarantee he makes. But it's not even that God will bless you. God also says this to Abraham. You will be a blessing. So you've got to stop here. God's not even just about blessing you. There are actual consequences of the blessing on your life that will work out in other people's lives too. You know there are other people depending on you stepping into God's call for your life. There are things he wants to do for other people that require you to step into his own purposes. And this is the challenge of this. We're so individualistic in our thinking these days. You know, we think, well, what's in it for me? How's this going to affect me? And really what God is saying is, no, 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 no. What does this mean for all the other people in your life? There is a ripple effect from your obedience that can even last for generations. I'm wondering how many people know this guy on the screen right here. This is uh, John Mosley. Now, if you don't know who that is, he um, has kind of gotten a little bit of notoriety as being kind of one of the main people on this documentary on Netflix called Last Chance You. And the interesting thing about John Mosley is he was climbing the college basketball coaching ranks. He was in D1, coaching on that level. He was on a great trajectory. And then God called him to East Los Angeles College a low-income, underachieving community college, the armpit of higher education. That's what this school is, with a terrible basketball team. Like, these are all the guys who could not make it at the other levels. These are all the kids that nobody wants. 
And while all these other coaches are making millions of dollars and flying around in private jets, John Mosley is making essentially minimum wage with no resources for his program. Everything has duct tape on it. And he is pouring himself into these kids like they are Kansas in the NCAA finals. He is giving all of himself to this. Now here's what's so fascinating about Coach Mosley. He actually is a Christian man. He's not making the money he can make. He doesn't have the platform he could have. He doesn't have all the resources and the respect of a program he could be working for. But because of his faith, he believes God. He really trusts him. And actually, I finished this series out this last week, and these are the exact words John Mosley Mosley closed with. He said, all I want is to be where God wants me to be. Now, this is what John Mosley knows. If God has called him, he will bless. He will make a way. He will provide. And he will even use him as a blessing. And what's fascinating to see now is John Mosley's been a coach there for 10 plus years. And you are now starting to see the long-term generational impact in his life. Because now these young kids that he's been coaching, they are finishing college. They're taking responsibility as husbands and fathers. Many of them are breaking out of generational poverty cycles. They are blessed because John Mosley answered the call of God on his own life. And now God is using him to transform the lives of other kids. You need to know today, God wants you to be a blessing. His purposes for your life are so much bigger than you. He has so many greater plans that you can't even conceive of. For many of us in here, you're a parent, you're a teacher, maybe you work with kids. I'm telling you, these children are depending on you to step into obedience of what God's calling you to. God is trying to use you to have a generational impact that will transform lives in ways you can't even comprehend. Like these kids need you. They need you to step into what God's called you to. I'm sure there's a good number of us in here. You're a boss. Maybe you own a business. You have employees that are depending on you. Hear me right now. Whatever blessing God has for you in your business or your leadership, it is not just for you. God is hoping to overflow any blessing in your life into the lives of the people around you. This is not just about you padding your margins. God is trying to bless some people through your job and through your business. Every single one of us. We have neighbors. We have family members. We even have strangers that God is saying, I want to bless through your life. This is what I want for you. Even this church, everybody, this is not just about us coming in and doing a song and dance so you can sit here and get a little fill. God wants this church to be a blessing. God wants to use Northern Hills to have an impact that's so much bigger than you can imagine. There very well may be thousands and even tens of thousands of people that God wants to impact through all the other relationships we have just represented in this room and online. There is blessing that God wants to flow out that may last far beyond our own lifetimes. You know, I'm willing to bet there's even people we won't even meet on this side of heaven that are going to walk the path of God's blessing because we paved the road for them. That is what God is calling us to. God says to Abraham, I want you to go. I am going to bless it. I am going to use you in a way you could never even imagine. There is a blessing coming, but do you trust me? Do you believe me enough to take the journey? 
And look what happens in verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Abraham did it, everybody. He took the step. He went on the journey. And while nobody in here knows who Terah is, we now are talking about Abraham 4,000 years later after he was alive. And the rest, you could say, is history. Because even one of the New Testament writers were talking about Abraham's life, trying to encapsulate the impact of it. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Sounded pretty crazy and irresponsible. Sounded kind of ridiculous. Sounded kind of like Pastor Solon Miller, just buying a house in a random town where he's got no job. But look what verse 12 says. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, he was old when this all happened, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Now, this is not even just talking about the physical descendants of Abraham. This is talking about spiritual impact. Because for those of you guys who don't know, many years after Abraham's life, somebody would be born in his own family line. Somebody you may have heard of. His name is Jesus. And through Jesus, God made a way to defeat sin and death once and for all, to nail all of our guilt and our shame to the cross, and to rise from the grave so that today we could be standing in his grace and in his love. And even today, if you haven't even put your faith in Jesus, you can call out to him and you can start an eternal relationship with God himself. You need to see. Could God have done it another way? Absolutely. But through this one man, God used to ultimately bring about the salvation of the world. All because God said go, and Abraham went. When God calls, will you go? Do you not just believe in him, do you believe him? Do you trust him enough to step out even when you have no idea how it's even all going to work out? Do you want God's purposes more than your own preferences? Do you want the life he wants for you more than the life you want for yourself? And let me just say this, everybody. God's call may look very different in everybody's lives here. Sometimes it is a call to a physical relocation. Sometimes that happens. But that's not the only thing. God may call you out of a relationship. He may call you into a new one. He may call you into a new opportunity with your career. He may call for a massive shift in your own life. He might call you out of a terrible habit, addiction, sinful tendency. He may call you to a totally new orientation in how you're living your life. Here's what I know. God has a call for you. There is a blessing he wants to bring in your life. And he even wants to use you to bless so many other people. So this is the challenge we have today. Take the lid off, everybody. Take the lid off of what you think your life should look like. And open it up to wherever God may call. And I can guarantee you this, you may have no idea how it can work out, but you have a promise from God himself that he will take you on a journey and it will be better than anything you could have ever imagined for yourself. Do you receive this in Jesus' name? Will you pray with me right now? 
Lord, we just praise you right now. You are a God who has the entire universe in your hands. And even with all the things you manage, you have a unique call for every person here. You have a purpose for every person's life. You have a blessing that you want to place on them. And I just pray right now, Lord, that you would help us remove any of the hesitations and uncertainties and pauses that we have when we sense your call in our lives. Lord, I just pray that we would have the confidence in you to take the step, to go when you say go. Lord, I pray for anybody who is settled in right now. They may be comfortable, life may be working, but they are living beyond what you want for them. And I pray that you would just stir in their hearts some discontent right now, some discomfort, a sense of urgency about their own life, and a desire to step into your good purposes. Lord, I pray for this church. We want to be a blessing, God. We don't want to just go through the motions. We want you to use us for real impact beyond our own lives, beyond this own community. And Jesus, how amazing it is that you would take the life of one man to ultimately play a primary role in the salvation of humanity. You call us to such greater things than we could even imagine. Increase our faith, Lord. Increase our expectations of what you can do in our own lives. And I pray, God, that as we go, we would see that you not only are a God who can be trusted, you are a God who can do the miraculous, that you are a God that takes us on a journey we could never have imagined for ourselves. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. If you would like to learn more about Northern Hills, you can go to nhills.org. You can also follow us online on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram for more updates and events. We look forward to seeing you next week.